You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, Sports to the Max, News Talk 830-WCCO. Your home to Twins baseball. And that's where we take this interview. And it's an interesting interview uh, forthcoming on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Joining us is Carla Baranakis. It's, it's, it's a tough name to say. It's Greek to me. Uh, but I think I got that right, didn't I, Carla? Uh, you pronounced it correctly, and it is actually Lithuanian. Lithuanian. Uh, it does. It does sound Greek. I will grant. Ah, it shoot! I thought I had one there. This Lithuanian. Okay, I didn't realize. Okay, that's good. Nobody, nobody ever guesses Lithuanian. <laughs> no, no, I sure wouldn't have. And and and, and uh, I, I looked over at uh, my faithful producer here, and, and he said this is Greek. So I assumed, you know, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but you know what I'm saying. I hear you. I hear you, Carl. You got an interesting story to tell, uh, both about your roots in Minnesota and beyond, with what you've done with your career. Let's start with when your family moved here to Minnesota. Uh, how old were you, and, and 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 how did Met Stadium come into play? Well, I was. Uh, we moved in 1967, and I was uh, 12 years old, and we had come from from Memphis. And the uh, the way that Met Stadium played played into it, this was the first time we ever lived in an area with uh, you know major professional sports. And uh, my father, who grew up on the East Coast, was a major Red Sox fan. And so every time the Red Sox would come into town, he would sort of casually say, "Let's go see the Twins play." The twins, yeah. <laughs> even even though let's go see really Estremsky. I mean the Sox. Twins, yeah. Yeah, and he actually was a friend of Sal Magley, who was sure. a pitching coach for Boston at the time. And so um, he actually even uh, finagled an introduction to Carl Yastrzemski for us. So wow. uh, he, you know, so he, he was Red Sox through and through, but he always phrases, let's go see how the Twins are doing. <laughs> okay, but, but you took to baseball and you took to the Twins and you took Absolutely. to Tony Oliva. How, how did this evolve for you? Well, I, back then, I mean, this was when, you know, the the greats were on the team. You know, you had Harmon Killebrew, you had Tony Oliva, you had Zoilo Versal, yeah. um, Cesar Tovar. And so it was just a great team to watch. And back in those days, when uh, when Soda Pop came in bottles with caps on them. You bet. Uh, they used to have a thing where you could collect the bottle caps with the pictures of the players underneath. And so I had a big chart where I was uh, pasting all the bottle caps on, trying to get them all. So the the Twins were a big thing. The Twins were a huge thing. And I I loved baseball. I thought there was nothing better than going out to the ballpark and, and watching them play. So much so that you ended up working at the stadium, right? Yes, I ended up being a, a Twins usher in 1977, and unfortunately, that was the first year of uh, Tony Oliva's retirement, but I still got to see uh, Rod Carew. Oh, he threatened to hit 400 that year. Yep, yep. So that was very exciting. And then the other thing I love about the Twins is that uh, Tony Oliva and Rod Carew, when they were both playing, uh, were roommates. 
Yeah. And, you know, I I just would love to have been a fly on the wall to hear them talk about hitting, you know, Oof. they get back in the room and, and I just can't even imagine what they must have said. No, for sure. And, and, and now you develop your own career in, in, in as a reporter. Explain your journalism career. Well, uh, my journalism career, I started as a clerk at the Star Tribune. And then I moved around to some other newspapers uh, in in the middle part of the country, very small ones in some cases. But I worked my way up to the uh, well, I worked my way up to the Grand Forks Herald and then eventually to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And uh, one year at the Post-Dispatch, the managing editor noticed that I was using my vacation to go to spring training in Florida. So he decided to put me in the sports department. And uh, that led to me being um, in the sports department when the Cardinals and the Twins played in the World Series in 1987. And uh, that was a great moment for me because some friends of mine in Minnesota, uh, when it got to the seventh game, called me and said, "Uh, we've got a ticket for you. Come on up for game seven. (laughs) And, And then by some miracle, one of my colleagues in the sports department called me and said, I have a feeling somebody's going to offer you a ticket to game seven. So if you need me to cover your shift, I'll do it. Nice. And so, yeah. So I got to be there for, for that great moment. And um, the other, the other moment in history that I was there for is um, when they closed Metropolitan stadium, when yeah. the, the last game that they yeah. had there, my mother was not a baseball fan at all. And she was a trooper because it was a rainy, miserable day. And she went with me to that game. And, and uh, you know, I, I always have a fond memory of her for that because that, that was beyond the call of duty for a non-baseball fan. Okay, but in, in, in the midst of all this, and you end up working for the New York Times and, and a number of different places, you really had an affinity for Tony Oliva, and you really had a wish that he would make the Hall of Fame. How did that evolve? Well, I just thought he deserved it because he was just a dominant player when he was playing. And when when I moved to New York in 1988, all of my friends said, oh, you're such a baseball fan. I bet you're going to go up to the Hall of Fame. And I said, no, I am not. Tony Oliva is not in the Hall of Fame, and I don't think that's right. And I'm not going until Tony Oliva gets into the Hall of Fame. And you thought, what the heck, it'll be a few years only, right? Yeah, (laughs) I didn't think it would be 30 plus years from what I said that. But the um, the other thing is I worked in the sports department. And so, you know, I was around a lot of baseball writers and I, you know, I'm sure they remember me ranting. What would they tell you? What reason would they give you for not voting for him? The reason they would give me is that he didn't have the longevity. Yeah. And I would counter with. That's right. He didn't have the longevity of some other players. However, he injured his knees. And back in that day, they didn't have the kind of orthopedic surgery that they could repair that and give him more longevity. And while he was playing, you know, really, he was until just the very last years, he was very consistently right up there. So, you know, I, I, I think he was penalized for that. But the other thing I noticed with the the Hall of Fame ceremony this year when, when he and Jim Cott were inducted, Jim Cott had nothing but longevity. That's right. <laughs> it took him a long time to get in. That's true. And then, yep. and then the thing that they branded Tony Oliva with, he didn't have the longevity. Well, you know, 
he he produced, he produced, he produced, he produced. Uh, one one other thing I'll mention: I just recently finished reading a a book by Paul O'Neill and Jack Curry called "Swing and a Hit," yep. where it just talks in detail about hitting and how difficult it is, and how it's it's even difficult to be you know a, a hitter as opposed to a home run uh, hitter because you know everybody loves the home run, but being the guy that produces the hits time after time after time. You know, that's so important to a team. And so, you know, that's that's what Tony Tony Oliva had home runs, you know, don't don't count him oh, out. Oh yeah, there. he had power, yep. But, you know, he, when he came to bat, he was going to get a hit. That I mean, that's who he was. They say he was the best bad ball hitter they'd ever seen. That that, that yep. you know, it didn't matter where you threw it, he could square it up and and there's an old saying uh, for for guys that come from Cuba or anywhere else, that you can't walk off the island, and so if you if you're gonna if you're gonna make it to the big leagues, you got to hit and you got to swing at everything to to prove yourself. And he was case in point. So, Carlo Baranakis, yesterday you got to attend your first ever Hall of Fame induction ceremony because you lifted your personal boycott. What was it like at Cooperstown? Oh, it was just so exciting, and there was a huge crowd there. I think they crowd there i think they estimated something like thirty thousand people and there were people wearing twins uh garb there there were a lot of people wearing red Sox garb but i i claim david ortiz too i'm yep. i'm a big poppy fan yep and um and you know and and then uh, there were other people you know in mets gear with gil hodges and so it it was just an exciting day i got there I think a good two to two and a half hours before it started, because I wanted to make sure I could get a parking spot. I wanted to make sure that I, you know, I got in and, and, and then the, the, this feeling there was so great. Everybody in the crowd was so happy, no matter who they were there for. And uh, I was actually sitting next to a woman whose son is the godson of Tony Oliva. And she was charming and lovely as you would expect, because, the other thing I love about both Tony Oliva, Jim Cott, both of them are just really gracious and lovely people. Yeah. And especially with Tony Oliva, over the years, I've never had the pleasure of meeting him myself, but over the years, so many people that I know who have met him, even, you know, in awkward moments, like if he's eating dinner or, you know, out shopping or something, they always say that he is so gracious, so kind, so lovely. I've never heard a single bad thing about him. So, so, I, so you, I, it all came together for you yesterday, huh? Oh, it all it all came together for me. It was just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And oh, I have a favor if you could, yeah. <laughs> if you would allow me to ask your listeners, yeah, Tony Oliva on Twitter. He's Tony Oliva six, and he is just eighteen followers short of five thousand followers. And I think a Hall of Famer deserves to have it. Oh least yeah, you had have five followers. grand for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. I just encourage anybody who's on Twitter to please follow him. And he posts he posts interesting things. So he's a good person to follow. All right, last question for you. What was your what was your favorite time as a journalist? Was it at the Times, the St. Louis Dispatch? What was it? Well, I have to say that I've just enjoyed everything that I've done in journalism. I've done so many things that I would never have expected in a million years. And, um, you know, and that includes things like, uh, you know, uh, 
a number of years ago getting to go to the NBA draft because, you know, one of the reporters needed needed some help with, with some of the things he was doing. Uh, there have been so many wonderful moments, but I have to say that the as a journalist, the thing that was the most compelling was 9-11. And after 9-11, oh, I wrote some of the portraits of grief that the New York Times oh, ran. Boy. And so interviewing the families and friends of, of people who had died was one of the most difficult things that I've ever done. But it also made me feel like I was doing the most important work I had ever done. So, so I mean, when that day happened, were you at the office? What, what happened? I was at, actually at home in New Jersey. I was supposed to be on vacation, but as soon as I saw what was happening, I knew that uh, the vacation was over. And uh, then I spent my day reporting on, on the New Jersey side of the river because what they were doing is moving people out of Manhattan yeah. over to New Jersey. And, and then f- from then on, it was, it was just nonstop for a really long time. And, and I have to say that... Um, you know, that was when you really could see how important journalism is and how important it is to tell people's stories. Oh, boy. Yeah. 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 Those moments. I mean, yeah, sometimes we, we forget that we matter, so to speak, in this business and, you know, different reasons for that. But but when 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 all eyes are on whatever that story is and you're in the middle of that story, it's pretty compelling and pretty invigorating, isn't it? It it sure is, and and it is truly an honor to be able an to honor, do humble that honor, isn't work. It? it is it is it is an honor. But I I also want to add that the happy stories, the happy stories like Tony Oliva, which is finally a happy story, yeah. was unhappy for so many years. But those stories are equally important because that's what life is. It's a whole combination of things. Yep. And so we have to celebrate the times that we need to celebrate, and then we have to really stop and pause at the times of sorrow. That's right, and they're both important because they're both a part of life. And and uh, you know, sometimes news organizations, all of us, uh, tend to look for the negative and gravitate to that, and and, and use fear as our, our motivating force. But doggone it, there's some yesterday being the ultimate. And one last thing. How good do Tony Oliva and Jim Cott look at age 84 and 83? Oh, my gosh. I I mean, it's just, it, it's a little depressing. They, oh, my gosh. They stand up there and they, they, they just look, you know, they, they look like their tailor, tailor, clothes are tailored. And, I mean, they, they just look really good. They, they look really, really good. And what I also like is that both of them just really have a delightful sense of humor. Yes. Yes. And yes. and I loved it when Tony Oliva ended his speech with baseball being very, very, very <laughs> good to me. <laughs> yeah, we all, if we're from a generation, that, that's a phrase we'll never forget. We'll never forget. Yeah. And you know what? And I just hope that, that uh, Mr. Oliva continues to celebrate like crazy. He will. In addition to In addition to Jim Cott. Oh, the one thing I forgot to mention about Jim Cott. I was actually working in St. Louis in 82. Oh, when he when won Jim it. Cott was with the Cardinals yeah. and they won the World Series. So, you know, it, 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 baseball gives us so many wonderful oh. moments. Oh. I'm glad you pointed out a few, Carol. Thank you for telling your story uh, through your eyes. It was just fun stuff and fun to visit with you. And, and continued success in all your reporting and editing. But uh, thank you for giving us a different perspective on it. Okay, thank you. You bet, Carol Baranakis. Uh, you know, that's, that's baseball, right? 
you grow up near Met Stadium and you, you follow the Twins. I used to, I'll tell you, my favorite days of watching the Twins play baseball, because she's brought back some memories, when they played at Met Stadium. Some of my favorite days might surprise you when we come back. Stay with us. Welcome back. Sports with Max News Talk 830 WCCO on your AM dial. Home to the Twins. Twins play tomorrow. So I used to go to Met Stadium as a kid. My, my dad was a huge baseball fan. He was a big baseball player in the day. Threw out his arm. Uh, went to the Gophers on a scholarship and threw out his arm. Never got to pitch because the freshman couldn't pitch. Everybody loved baseball. He started Little League in our hometown in Gaylord. And, 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 and so he loved going to Twins games. Uh, and now I get it because he liked to watch all the idiosyncrasies. He liked to watch batting practice and all those things. We went to Met Stadium a lot when I was a kid. And then we'd go there with friends. Sometimes you just go with your friends, right? And as you got older, and et cetera, I, could, I didn't have a driver's license when um, – when the twins were playing at that stadium, but, but, you know, you, you go with some older guys or you take the bus down for the, you know, the baseball association or, uh, some of you might remember school patrol day and some of that stuff. Uh, and, and you'd go down there uh, for FCA nights, things like that. Um, so I saw a lot of twins games and, you know, some vivid members, 1977 Jersey day, uh, Rod crew jerseys given out. They win the game 19 to 12 and, and Carew goes four for five and goes over 400 against the White Sox. Unbelievable day. I saw Dave Goltz throw a two hitter once. Um, I saw, I mean, it was even a one hitter. Jerry Kuzman comes back pitches for the twins and they face the New York Yankees and, and he beats the Yankees. I think he's through a complete game and he, he gets Reggie to hit into a double play. And as he walks off the field, they play, thank God I'm a country boy because he was from Appleton, Minnesota. So as I can remember something specific, but what I really enjoyed was going to Twins games when the crowd was at its lowest in September or something like that, a day game. And you could just wander freely throughout the stadium and sit wherever you wanted to sit. And there'd be, you know, 5,000 people there, whatever it was. And and you, and you could just, it, 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 was, it was like this joyful exploration of Met Stadium, and you'd walk out to the left field seats, and then you'd sneak around, and you thought you were being so sneaky, and I'm sure that nobody cared that we're working as ushers because you only had 5,000 people at the game, and you'd sit behind home plate for a while, and, and you, then you'd go over to the first base dugout, and you'd hear the twins talking. Those are the great memories that I have is when I'd go with my buddies, and there was hardly anybody at the game. And those beautiful that green grass and those beautiful white uniforms that they wore. All those things, and, and I, I know that sounds kind of strange because you think about the big games, the big crowds, and all those things, but I still love it because you get up close to anything you wanted, the bullpen, watch Louis Tiant warm up for the Red Sox. I can remember doing that, things like that, and then every once in a while, one of those soft summer nights at Met Stadium where you go to that game and, and you know, forget who they were playing because it didn't matter, and it just was kind of magical. I remember Lyman Bostock getting his third hit of the game, and he's going to be a free agent, and the crowd chanting, sign him up, Kelvin, sign him up, things like that. And they were just like perfect nights. It was like today. It was like 70, it feels like. It was like 73 degrees, and just everything was right in the world. Then you'd go into the parking lot, and you were identified by the different pictures that they had. You knew where you parked because there'd be like a Tiger or a Lion, something like that. And you'd wait in line to get out of the parking lot, and then you'd get on 24th and go over to 494 West and take it back to... In my case, Gaylord, Minnesota. But those are, as I thought, saw Oliva and Cot yesterday, I thought, God, those are some beautiful memories. Those are some great memories. And then the next day, you wanted to be Rod Caruso. You'd go out and play baseball because of it, and you'd become a better baseball player because you'd just seen the Twins play. Uh, thank you. 
Jim and Tony for, for helping remind us of why we love this game. Plenty more to come when we come back. Uh, is they gonna, what do you mean they're going to rappel down a 14-story building? Why would they do that? We'll explain when we come back. Welcome back, Sports to the Max. Joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline um, is Dan Fury from the Salvation Army. They've, they've got a special event that ties into Vikings training camp this week because Salvation Army is always working on causes as well. But the event is what caught my eye because it ties into training camp. We're called Sports to the Max, and training camp is a part of that. Uh, so he joins us now to explain what it is that I'm mentioning here, vaguely and veiled, uh, that they're going to do this weekend. Um, thank you. For, thanks for joining us, first of all, Dan. appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Explain what's going down this weekend because it's pretty cool. It is. Uh, Down for the Challenge is our event this weekend. It is a urban repelling event that people can participate in. They they raise money uh, from from friends and family members uh, to sponsor them to go down. Uh, they'll repel down the uh, Omni Viking Lakes Hotel in Egan, which is right there on the Vikings campus. And as we all know, training camp starts this week. So um, uh, it's an event that we're doing in concert with uh, with the Vikings, they are our presenting sponsor, and uh, it's a 155-foot building, and you don't need any experience. You, you just need to raise a little money, and, and you, too, can go down for the challenge. Wow. So, so how did you come up with this idea of all ideas? Well, um, first of all, uh, I, should, I should preface this by what we're raising money for is uh, the, the, the cause of homelessness and and homelessness prevention. Everybody knows that homelessness is getting worse. You can see it on our streets. There are more and more homeless encampments. Um, the last uh, survey by Wilder Group uh, showed that homelessness was increasing 30%. That was before the pandemic. So uh, the next report that comes out in the spring is expected to be even worse. And I can also share that 69,000 Minnesota homeless, sorry, Minnesota households are currently behind in their rent. And so we're working uh, to provide shelter for those that need it. We're working to help those families to stay in their existing homes. And that's what this is about. Our goal is to raise a million dollars to fund programs that help those folks. So so you go out and recruit who? Who wants to do this? Who wants to repel 14 stories? Well, a, a couple different types of people. First, people who believe in the cause and want to help. Uh, secondly, people who uh, like the idea of, of uh, and some people refer to it as jumping as not jumping. You don't even need any experience to do this. Um, you, you will go over the edge and you'll rappel down 155 feet uh, till you get to the ground at, at uh, Viking Lakes. Um, and, and there's even a group of people who are, uh, afraid of heights who are looking at this as a way to conquer that because there's there's lots of folks there there's lots of support real smart people and and so uh, all kinds of people can do this uh, we've got a gentleman in his 70s that's going to be going down he's he's I think he's doing it for his grandson and uh, uh, we have uh, I think last year we had a 12 year old go down so Lots of people could do this. You don't need any training. You don't need any experience. And when does it happen? 
It is uh, the big day is Saturday, this Saturday, the thirtieth. That's when um, in excess of two hundred people are going to be rappelling down the side of the building. We also have a VIP night um, on Friday, uh, where late afternoon we're going to be rappelling, and folks like uh, Mayor St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter will be there. Miss Minnesota, Rachel Evangelisto will be there. Uh, Martin Nance, who's the executive VP and uh, CMO at the Vikings, will be going over the side. We we think Lance Eiserman from Maury's Auto Group is going to be there. We uh, we have one spot that we're still hoping for a guy named Mike Max to go down. You put me down um, fri- and- Friday. You call me if you need me, okay? <laughs> Are you saying I wouldn't need to we- practice beforehand either? You would not need to practice, and I can tell you right now, Mike, we need you. Okay, you, you, you. I tell you what, you got my number. You call me tomorrow, and and we'll see if we can make it happen. Okay, because if if I okay. can, I will. Okay, that sounds great. It is. Uh, you know, we we want people to be aware of the the challenge, be aware of the issue of of homelessness, and so we think folks like yourself, folks like Mayor Carter. Uh, uh, and, and some others um, can really draw attention to this. So, absolutely, it's a it's a, a free uh, repelling. Uh, we have a we have an event um, also after. So, if you can stick around to the reception and be able to meet and greet some of the folks who are repelling, that would be even better. Okay, I just I'll tell you a lot what I'm up against is I don't think that I have to go to this AAU tournament in Wisconsin. Initially, I did, and now it looks like the games are Sunday. So I, I can't guarantee it. I'm still working on it for sure. sure. Uh, but I've already taken the day off of work thinking that I was going to go to this AAU tournament in Wisconsin that now I don't have to go to Friday night. So I know I don't have to work Friday night, but I could get out there with a the okay. camera and, and, and shoot a story on it is what I'm thinking. As long as I don't Absolutely. fall. You will not fall. We have partnered with. I mean, I mean, uh, and you're not going to send me like over the honeymoon suite where all of a sudden I'm peeking in a window or anything, are yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> we are not doing that. Uh, we advise all the people in the rooms that we're going to be repelling down past the room. So, uh, but but we uh, we partner with Over the Edge. They're a company that has been doing this for 14 years. They've done a thousand events, not one injury. So you are in good hands. I mean, is there a, is is there a, like a, a trampoline at the bottom, or what do we got? Just people holding no their arms trampoline. out, or just people it's, praying, or what is it? It's experience, Mike, and it's faith. Okay, experience and okay, I've got both. Okay, well then, but you're, you're how much of each one do I need? I, I have experience in that, in that I'm I'm not afraid to do things, and I've got great <laughs> faith, but I, I wouldn't um, mind a net at the bottom. You're you're oh I, I can't give you a net, um, but but you will land safely. I guarantee it. Oh boy, okay, so I'm up against it, but I think we can pull this off. Okay. All right. all right, I will call you tomorrow, and uh, and I'll I'll give you all the details. But all right, you please but, uh, do, okay? Yeah. And if and if I can, I will. I promise, okay? Okay, that sounds great. All We'd right. love to have you. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it, Mike. You bet. We'll take a break. Come back. Sports the Max at WCCL. I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to rappel down that 14-story uh, building on Friday. Downforthechallenge.com. Downforthechallenge.com is where you find the information. But uh, – for a great cause, and I've never repelled down a 14-story uh, building before. 13s, 12s, 9s for sure, but not a 14. So why not? Like I said, as long as I don't end up, you know, getting stuck on the window and I'm and the honeymoon suites inside, it could be embarrassing for all of us. <clears throat> 
Chris Stubbs, I've been waiting. I, I picked up a few tidbits from you, but I want I wanted to save a little time here because uh, this sports related. You were down in Waterloo, Iowa. Yes. Uh, and this wasn't just any trip to Waterloo. You know, obviously people would say, well, of course he was in Waterloo. Who wouldn't want to go to Waterloo? Uh, I mean, that's yeah. that's where all the cool kids go in yeah, mid-July is Waterloo. Absolutely. But you were down there for a specific event. Yeah, it was the uh, – I went to the uh, Dan Gable Wrestling Museum and the uh, National Wrestling uh, Hall of Fame induction weekend. So and how I, was it? It's great. It was absolutely great. Um, Troy and uh, Chad – the uh, two of the main organizers were more than gracious with allowing me access to pretty much whatever I wanted. And, you know, if there was a place that I wanted to go or somebody that I wanted to talk to, we, you know, you know, Maxie, that when you're in that space, you you're respectful of the people that are there and that are being honored. So, you know, right. And, they, and they're anyway. on an agenda and an itinerary. Abs- you don't yes. want to disrupt what they're no, asked to do. No, yeah. absolutely. But it was absolutely awesome. Um, I can't say enough good things about who, it. Who is the, your favorite person to meet? Actually, the, the favorite guy that I met, honestly, is John Nord. How come? Who, who was, uh, he was very approachable. Very funny. Like he immediately started telling stories, and of course they're not suitable for air. But you just look about at his a, wrestling days. About his wrestling days, and, Did some and crazy stuff happened. Oh yeah, yeah. And he didn't try and sell me a car, by the way. Just to let you know, oh, yeah. he he didn't try and sell me a car. So for those that are wondering, yep. no, because apparently no money down, nothing no, like no that. No money yeah. down. Yeah, exactly. But he was just he was so just welcoming and inviting and you know we've got an awa wrestling podcast and one thing that i noticed maxi is we had a lot of people coming up to and, and I, I i kid you not and mick Karchu was down there with me uh because george couldn't make it so it's just me and mick people came up to us and were like i listened to your podcast i love it you know we had people wanting to take pictures with us which is really weird really yeah, and you're like they're like you're the podcast guys. I'm like, yeah, but I'm here to celebrate everybody else. But um, yeah, John actually he listened to our podcast on the way down there. He's like, I want to be a guest on it. You know what can we do? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, here's John Nord. Well, why not just record it right there? Well, we we've got a special way that we do it in terms of like video. Oh, I and, see. So it wasn't like you could just set it up and go. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't have a tape recorder with me. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I got you. But it was just just so cool because I got a chance to see so much old wrestling memorabilia. Is the museum pretty good? The museum is great. I mean, it's a good good combination of professional and amateur. So So that's what it is. It's both. Yeah. yeah, Is the Hulk in there? uh, No. It's more a little bit more old school than that. More than the Hulk? Yeah, they had a lot of Vern Gagne, um, you know, a lot of Nick Bockwinkle stuff oh, yeah. in there. Um, I mean, what, I mean, like pictures or uh, singlets or pictures. Uh, or do they have, do they have film or what? Do jackets. They, have? Um, they had uh, Nick Bockwinkle's visa, like his real yep. visa. Yep. was there. Um, they had autographed ring bells, but for those that you know, on the other side, you know, Kale Sanderson. Who's 189 yeah. and 0 for Iowa State? Yeah. I mean, you know that coach at Penn State now. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and so it's a real combo. They, a, they kind of came together on this. Yeah, I mean, most of the museum is probably on the amateur side, but they do have a professional wing. Okay. And I mean, there there was stuff about the headings there. 
it was just it was really incredible. Just I to go back because and, people go, I'm going to the wrestling museum. There, there's some people that would say that's the amateur, and there are other people that would think it's a professional. So why not put them together and satisfy both audiences? Because otherwise, you drove three hours and you go, well, this isn't what I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And it's Maxie. It's just what like is, a, does Jesse show up at all? Uh, Jesse was not there. No. I, I, think I don't mean as a person. I mean in the in the museum. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, no. There was there was no uh, there was no Jesse. No there. wing for him or anything. No, like no, that? no Jesse Ventura wing. Um, but you it think was, he'd have like one of his lockers or something. You know, no, it, down it was, poster or. Uh, um, I mean, how do you qualify if, if, if Jesse's not in and Hulk's not in? Who gets in? Well, they've got. I don't know what their criteria is, but um, I I couldn't tell you. Like what it is, I, I can tell okay, you what it was for, for like a, this year. Yeah, how about a guy like Brock Lesnar who excelled in both? I think Brock could I mean, eventually he's an amateur wrestler, obviously. Yeah, and, and title. yeah, and and the thing is, I guess from the professional side of it, the people that were being inducted aren't necessarily um, don't have a, necessarily have a big amateur background. L- let me say that. Uh, I think for the most part they do, but there are some that like Kurt Angle was all over, uh, who won a, an Olympic medal in '96 and became a WWE star. I do think that Brock Lesnar eventually will have a substantial hold on there because of what he did with the U of M and, and then WWE. And absolutely. Gabe Stevenson might be hitting that. Oh, Gabe Stevenson. Too, right? I mean, he's he's a monster at this point. So it's very possible that they could uh, down the road. But um, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Like the the main um, the main inductee this year was Trish Stratus. Uh-huh. But she didn't have an amateur background. I think she came from the fitness world okay. where she was a model and she went into WWE as a manager and then turned into a wrestler. But I think some of it as well is, like, is that like how old is she now? What's the... uh, she's maybe in her mid 40s. OK, so is I mean, she, she, she's done with the game. And... Yeah, I think she she's she's pretty much done and she's moved on to other things. But part of it as well is uh uh, humanitarian part of it too. So okay, it, if you've done something to give back, yeah, th- there's there's a, a humanitarian aspect to it as well. But it, it was just, I met a lot of really cool people, and it was just nice to, just for a couple of days, just go and just immerse yourself in this this world. And you know, some people don't like. It's not for everybody. I totally get that. But it was very laid back, very chill, very relaxed, and you know, got a chance to just really you know get immersed in the culture and it was it was just so cool for 48 hours we were just reliving you know amateur and, and professional history how about the gophers and jay robinson anything did you see anything for them nothing nothing for jay robinson champs and of no. course he's in yeah I, 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 I just had lunch with him two weeks ago i think they've i think i saw something with him on there but I can't exactly remember. He was remember. an Olympian too, and a national champion. Yeah, and that's key. They, they did have uh, they did have some boots from uh, Jim Rashke, Baron von Rashke. Okay, they did have some of those there. And was it was it Nebraska? I think it was. But they had like boots from seventy one. I want to say. Uh, but I mean, it, it really took. You really had to look hard for some of these these hidden gems. Some I, of the, I don't understand the, if the things I mentioned aren't on display. Mm-hmm. What is on display? If you don't have the Hulk, if you don't have Jesse, if you don't, have, you know, if you, if you don't have the Gophers yeah. and Jay Robinson, where do you find it? Well, I mean, there, there's so much more than just that little bit. It really, there's a good combination of 
It's it's a lot. It's you know Do they have it, like old equipment, old mats that they use and stuff like that. Yeah, they, they've got they've got old yeah they they've got old like miscellaneous artifacts and it's it's just kind of one of a there's so many obscure and almost obsolete little one of a kind items there. If you tell me the crusher doesn't show up, I'm going to be really disappointed. Crusher's crusher's not there. There's nothing with the the crusher. There. I don't know what to make of this now. I mean the the, the pe- mad dog. No, but but see that no mad dog, no mad dog. But there's some world class championship. There's some NWA. There's you know some some Ric Flair, some Gordon Soli, uh stuff from Japan. So it's it's all over. I mean, I, I think we're so yeah we get so focused on what we have here, but th- there's a lot more stuff out there that they were you know showing us as well. So it again it, it's there's a lot more down there that I didn't even get to in two days. And How about I guess, the Sheik. There were a couple things with Sheik because how does Sheik get in there and not Jesse? Well, he was a national champion. He, he was a champion in Iran, though. I That's know, the thing. You're in Waterloo, Jesse. I don't think of Jesse Ventura in Waterloo from the Midwest. I know, but I don't think of Jesse with Waterloo. Okay, we'll revisit this. Later. Yes, I we guess will. I, I'm exhilarated for you, and I'm disappointed at the same time. Oh, okay. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 